What is going on, guys? And thank you for tuning into episode number seven of the Everyday Growth Podcast with your host, me, Anthony J. Here we search out for individuals who have had growth in one way or another during their lifetime. Our next, our next guest is no stranger to growth. He has, had absolute, he has had absolutely a busy year thus far. From welcoming his beautiful baby boy into this world to going on an incredible mission of oneself to unleash the power within. From that time forward, Jeff has caught my eye with his inevitable courage of spreading the word of hard work and positivity. A dude truly after my own heart. Please welcome to our show my guy, Jeff Wartman. How the hell are you, my man? Anthony, I am wonderful. Um, thank you for that intro. That was, uh, that was unbelievable. It was kind of the first time I had heard that. And um, yeah, man, I, I am very humbled uh, to, to be here for sure. Oh, no, don't be humble, man. This is a great thing. We've been talking for a while now, probably over a month of trying to get you on here. And I know you are super busy with your job and with the baby boy and everything, man. And I just want to say first and foremost, for anyone who's listening, you guys go um, give us a five-star rating and go look up this man too. He's laying down some really, really good positive shit as of recent. We're definitely going to dive into that. And I am humbled that this man, Jeff, that you are on my podcast because with this Everyday Growth Podcast, I want people on here who are just constantly growing every single day, becoming 1% better. And I just want to say thank you first and foremost for you to even be here, man. So thank you very much. And um, yeah, appreciate that. Dude, I just wanted, what's going on with you these days, man? How's everything going? How's work? How's the kid doing? How's the wife doing? So uh, everybody's great. My wife, Elise, son, Theo, um, everyone's fantastic. Um, work is, uh, is very good. Uh, so professionally for anyone uh, um, uh, who's out there kind of in the B2B sales world, um, I, uh, professionally I run a, um, uh, a, I work for a software company, work for software companies for all of my career and um, started as a sales rep, um, just kind of door to door, right? Selling uh, and um, eventually along the way, uh, about three and a half, almost four years ago, I got promoted into management. Um, initially, uh, managing a group of kind of younger career sales professionals that were just getting started um, in software. In, uh, in the software world, we call them SDRs for sales development representative. Um, and they do all the front end prospecting. So they're just trying to set meetings um, in order to then send to a sales rep. And so um, it's a lot of just young, hungry salespeople, um, a lot like I was when I was that age. And um, so it's been great. And it kind of progressively went up from there. I started um, at kind of one of the industry leaders, a company called Salesforce, and then uh, branched out from there. Um, I'm now at a company called Build Trust, uh, where I kind of run account development, which includes ABM, uh, our account-based marketing strategy, and then um, top of funnel as well. So I kind of run the whole gamut um, of lead uh, generation, if you will. Uh, but... More importantly, you know, I kind of come from that sales world um, where um, it's, uh, it takes an extra gear to kind of get into it every day, right? It's one of those uh, professions where um, you can't just go through the motions. You have to come to work uh, with, uh, you know, a plan for your day because um, you've got a goal that you have to hit and your employment is on the line if you don't hit those goals. Unlike a lot of other jobs, you go into accounting, um, or you go into like product development and things like that, you still have to be very good at your job, but there isn't a constant threat of losing employment based on uh, how well you do. And so as a result, um, I got into kind of the personal development and what used to be called self-help, right? I always knew this as self-help and I got into that world actually really early. It was in college. 
Um, and I remember I would go to like Barnes and Noble or Borders um, at the time, both of which have, I think Borders is gone and now there's only a few Barnes and Noble actually left. Um, but um, I can remember in college going into Barnes and Noble and going in that section because I just craved like something, right? Um, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of high performers around me when I was growing up. Um, you know, I, I was from kind of a, I, I grew up in Calumet City, which is in the south suburbs of Chicago. It's kind of an economically de depressed area. And so there wasn't a whole lot going on in, in Calumet City. And so I was always looking for something inspirational, right? Um, th this will come back later on, but I was always like, driving for more. I just assumed when I was younger that I was like destined for great things. I felt like there was this energy around me. And so I gravitated into this self-help section because I was like, man, I need a way to like have a, um, a, a framework for how to do this. And um, I don't know if you remember, this is 15 years ago. So this is like 2005-ish. Um, back then, self-help was considered like a very bad thing. You were damaged. Um, you didn't even want people to see you going into that section of the bookstore because it was like, oh man, they're going to think I'm weird or whatever. Um, what happened was along the way, um, when we shifted from Gen X uh, to the millennial generation, the millennial generation was the first one who kind of stood up and said, um, hey, we want to be better. And like, we want to bring this stuff a little bit more mainstream. And so that's when like the, the personal development boom took off. And so a lot of these people have really become big doing this, but it opened the doors to all that stuff. And so I can remember being in college. I didn't have any money. Um, there was a book called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. Um, not the catchiest title in the world, kind of long. Um, it was by a guy named Frank Betker, and it was written in like the 40s, I want to say. And I remember going to Barnes & Noble in Oak Brook, um, uh, when I was in, in college on my lunch breaks and reading the book in Barnes and Noble, because I don't even think I had the 12 bucks to buy the book. And it was about a guy who was just terrible at his job and he wasn't a very good salesperson and he, he turned it around and, and did better. And so that was the first sort of, uh, that was the first like thing I had where um, I realized that that was the, I guess you could really say it was my first uh, introduction to growth mindset. Right. I grew up, I like to say I'm recovering fixed mindset in the sense where I grew up very fixed mindset, right? Some people are better than others. They're born, you know, you're naturally good at things, naturally bad at other things. And that's just the way it is. And that was the real first time I was introduced to the idea that no matter where your starting point is, you can always get better at something. Dude, that's awesome story, man. And just like, I think it's almost like we all start like that too. Like I think from a young age, we all think like it's either, Oh, that dude's made to play basketball. Oh, she's got what I don't have. Or, oh, I think we almost all start like that. And until you start diving into books like that or, or hear the, the Gary V's or, you know, hear, hear these people talk, like you really don't know how to step out of that in, unless you're just like just stepping out of it, period. And I think that's a big thing for people to do. And for you to take that first step and kind of do that just because you're attracted to it, it's almost like, it didn't attract you. It's like almost like you, you just wanted to change so fucking bad. You're reaching out for something. Then that's what it was. You know, you needed to have yeah. that little bit more of a growth in your mindset or growth for your own personal, uh, your personal well-being. And that's the route you went is you picked up that first book. And from there, it probably stemmed big time. But I like what you said right in the beginning when you were like, you know, it's such a stigma self-help back in the day. It still fucking is though. I mean, 
it still fucking is, man. And we definitely gonna talk about that. But like, it just has like a bad rap. Like, bah, I don't, I don't fucking need that. I don't need to talk to anybody. It's like, nah, nah, dude. Like, you need to talk to people. Like, there's a reason why there's different levels to this game. There's a reason why there's there's you know there's pawns and then there's kings and queens. There's a reason why that shit is. It is what it is. Um, from there, man. Like, are you trying to implement? some of that now with your growth into what you do for the businesses, for your jobs? Like, are you really seeing a turnaround now that, you know, t- are you talking to people differently with the growth mindset? Are you kind of integrating that into what you do every day now? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's a daily practice. I have to wake up every day and say to myself, I am going to be growth mindset today about everything, no matter what, because one of, my, one of my favorite Tony Robbins quotes um, that, uh, that really stuck with me after, after attending his event was um, the idea that weeds grow automatically. I say that on Instagram all the time. And it's just the idea that unless you're actively uh, getting better and um, really impactful about what you want to put forward, then it's going to slip. You're going to slip in old habits no matter how much you live this stuff. There's always the threat that you can go back. You know, I mentioned... In 2005, um, I read uh, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling for the first time. And what I still had in front of me was a lot of challenges, right? I got fired from a sales job after that. I gained a lot of weight. I was over 300 pounds at one point um, after that. Uh, you know, I had a drinking problem, right? I don't drink alcohol anymore. And so, um, you know, even though like I was, I, I, had, I had actually been exposed to Tony Robbins by that point already. I'd read through some of his books a little bit, but like none of it stuck. You know, I immediately went back to just falling into um, old habits. And so um, to your point, I have to get up every day and say, I am going to be growth mindset and I'm going to apply this to my work every single day. And so in my role, uh, coaching and mentoring kind of young sales reps, but then also um, you know, putting together like, you know, just a business plan for how we develop lead delivery. Um, if I'm not growth mindset, if I'm not able to kind of say, Hey, you know, this isn't working, we've got a challenge right now where, um, you know, we've got some old processes that just aren't serving where the business is going and it's not anyone's fault. Uh, no one actively did it, but, um, at the same time, uh, you know, these things exist. And if we were very fixed mindset about it, we would be afraid to kind of take down a lot of those things. Um, people tend to get attached to their own ideas. And so for me, it's one of the things that's allowed me to continue to move up in my career is just the idea that um, I consider everything I do uh, to, uh, you know, inform the next version. Uh, the first time I do anything, uh, whether it's an Instagram post or a podcast or a new topic I want to speak on, or I, you know, I give a presentation or whatever, they are always terrible. I've never done anything good on the first try in my life. But you know what? The second time it gets a little bit better. And then the third time it gets a little bit better. And then by the fourth and fifth time, like I'm really, really good. Right. But that first time you got to get through the parts where you suck. And it's that growth mindset piece of just like, I'm doing this in order to get better later that I think has really informed my career. So across the board, it makes my reps better and increases our leads and makes the business uh, more profitable, but at the same time, you know, that's great. But at the end of the day, I could care less about making a bunch of venture capitalists, a bunch of money, right? What I'm really proud of is the idea that every day I get to mold 
uh, young salespeople into kind of future leaders? Dude, that's so fucking powerful because, and at the end of the day, you're right. It doesn't matter about that money, but it's getting the people set up around you, right? It's, it's, it's telling the people showing, sorry, showing and coaching the kids. Like, like you said, you're not good at the first time, second or third time. It's almost like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time, even the eighth, ninth and 10th time you're better. You know, that's what we preach here all the time on this podcast. It's stepping up to the fucking plate and taking a swing. It's like, you don't even know what you're capable of. You take a swing. You don't know if you're going to hit it. You don't know if you're going to you're going to strike out. You don't know if you hit a foul ball. You don't even know if you're going to hit by the pitch. But if you don't step up to the fucking plate to begin with, you have no idea what's going to happen. It's like, do you think all these professional baseball players step up with the plate the first time hit a home run? No, dude, they've been doing it for fucking 10, 20, 30 years. That's why they get paid oodles of money to do it. They wouldn't be there guys unless they kept going back. You don't think that those guys have had failures. They've struck out hundreds, thousands of times. It's the same thing with business. It's the same thing with mindset. It's the same thing with lifestyle. If you keep yourself into that fucking box, like Jeff is talking about, he's out of a job. His people are out of a job and his business isn't going to be doing too good. You know, he's a pawn in this big game. He's good. He's coaching kids, but he doesn't make them money. He's gone. He, he said that in the very beginning of this. So dude, that's like, I think you're in like a, a great place where a lot of people would want to fucking be coaching, coaching young people younger than yourself, you know, and like really making like that's impact, bro. Right. That's fucking impact. You're creating impact. And if what you're doing with those young kids and those young minds, they're not just doing better for the company, but they're but doing better for oneself also. Like they're getting stronger every single day. You know, if they listen to you, right? If they don't, then they won't have a job. But if they listen to you, you're, they're going to get stronger. You know, you're, you're leading by example. And I just want to take a second here to applaud that because leading by example is a, is a true boss. You know, it's like that. It's like that. Um, there's a picture I see all the time from a company. It's a poster that you can buy and it has, it has two different things, right? There's, there's a boss, sorry, there's a boss and leader. There's a boss who's sitting on his throne. He's whipping his people. Then there's the leader who's in front helping the people pull. And that's what it's all about, right? Like you're not just whipping people into submission. You're leading by example. So you're becoming a true leader in this whole, this whole big scheme of things, right? And it just so happens that you're awesome at business and you're doing it through business. So I applaud you on that, bro. I really do. I think that's, that's an amazing thing that you're doing. Appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, that's what, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, right? It, like I said, it's not making money for a bunch of investors. Those people got plenty of money. Um, there's plenty of people like me who could go out and find as many leads as I could. Um, I'm not the best demand generation software professional on earth, not even close. And so, um, there's a, you know, everyone's replaceable, right? What's not replaceable in terms of skill setting. Uh, what's not replaceable is the empathy and kind of the care that you put into the, uh, to the others, right? That's what leadership is. Leadership is, is kind of showing that you care. Dude, 100%. So I definitely want to put you, uh, put you uh, out there really quick. So uh, I want to throw this at you. Guys, so we talked Tony Robbins. We touched base a couple times here and there. And just back in March, I believe it was, Jeff went to, was it like four or five-day retreat? And then... I think you did the whole weekend thing or whatever, and you like stayed there, right? So that was in, was that in, I don't know, that was in LA, I believe, right? But yep. let's dive the fuck into that. And dude, if you want to start at the beginning, why you did it, if you were a fan yep. of Tony from the get-go, like, let's just, let's just talk about this for a minute, because this is where it's going to really get deep. And like I said, the reason why you started coming back up on my Instagram feed so much, I swear to Christ, is when you started posting your very first one in your Chicago Cubs hat saying, I'm going, I couldn't be more excited. 
And then the next post was your books and like a one bar. And then the next post was like you there on day four and like you just being ecstatic. And I'm like, dude, this dude's going to have the biggest goddamn breakthrough he's ever had in his entire life, man. So dude, let it out, man. I want to hear about it. 100%. All, all the above. So I'll start here. So um, I read a lot of the early self-help stuff years ago when I was a young sales rep. So there's, there's people who are in that same world that Tony is, but they're, um, they're really, really geared towards sales. That's the guy like Brian Tracy. Um, Zig Ziglar is another guy. Um, Jim Rohn actually had been around. He was actually Tony's teacher. That I didn't know that till later, um, but I knew about Jim Rohn. Guys like that. But those were guys, most of them were dead. Uh, they were, you know, old-fashioned, that sort of thing. And so um, Tony was always on in that group. But I never considered Tony Robbins because I always thought there was something weird about him, right? So Zig Ziglar was a guy who had done sales. Brian Tracy had done sales. All I knew about Tony Robbins was like he did infomercials and he was kind of shady. Like everyone thought he was shady. And then like the walking on fire thing was kind of weird. And so like I was into the idea that there were people who were geared towards business. But then I viewed him as like, yeah, that's just juju, right? That's like, you know, uh, stuff like that. And so um, what happened was um, continue to read about this stuff. And Tony kept coming up in these quotes over and over and over again, I thought were always really powerful. And then um, when I was working at Salesforce, I, uh, I was at an event where, so Mark Benioff, who's the CEO of Salesforce, credits Tony for like the reason why they're a $50 billion company today or whatever they are, $20 billion. Um, why they're a $20 billion company today. And we were at an event where Mark was talking about Tony and he said, he finally threw his hands up and he said, you just got to go to the event. And he said, I'm going to, this is a true story, by the way. I've not told a lot of people this story. He put up his hands. There were like a thousand people in the room. It was Salesforce World Tour Chicago. And he said, I'm going to pay for any employee here to go to Unleash the Power With. And it was in Rosemont uh, that year. It was like, this is like 2015. Um, it was in Rosemont and, and Mark was going to pay for it. And I didn't go, I did not take him up on that offer because I didn't think I could do the length of the days. I thought, because it's like 7am to like 11pm is one day, right? They're long days. So I was like, I'm not doing that. Right. Like for some guy to, you know, preach voodoo to me, I'm good. And what happened was a couple people, namely there was uh, one specific uh, uh, woman that I worked with, well, I really respected her opinion. She has a great bullshit meter. She's one of these people who she didn't even own a TV because she's like, I don't want to fucking watch TV. I just want to like concentrate, focus and stuff. She decided to go and she came back and I said, hey, what was that Tony Robbins thing like? Bunch of bullshit, right? And she goes, oh no, it's for real. And I was like, okay, well now I was, I was upset that I didn't go, right? So fast forward a couple of years in the, uh, in the vein of weeds grow automatically, I, again, like I had been promoted. I got a, this awesome job at a, a unicorn VC company called Intercom. And I was uh, running me up on sales process. I was living the dream of what I wanted. And I still was like, I, there's something here. Like I'm unfulfilled. I don't know what it is, but I've got this itch, right? And so this is now, we're fast forwarding three years. So this is now 2018. And I remembered that specific conversation that I had with Chelsea. And so I... Um, I went online and I was looking like I, I knew I needed something and I travel a lot for work. So I have a lot of like uh, uh, frequent flyer points and stuff like that. So where I could, I could travel and like get a hotel and book it on points. And I saw that 
Tony Robbins was going to be in Los Angeles in March. And this was in November. So I bought the ticket on Black Friday, booked the travel, literally on like a, I don't know what this guy's about. I knew Chelsea was really into him and I respected her opinion. And, um, you know, I could, I just knew I needed something, right? So um, I uh, decided to leave my wife and kid at home, go away. It's four full days. Uh, it's about, you know, 10, 11 hours a day, right? It's about 55 hours over four days. Um, and um, a couple things that I can just say right off the bat is that I, I, the things that I thought were going to be impactful were not. And the things that I weren't thinking about ended up being huge. In other words, everyone kept asking me about uh, the coal fire walk, where you walk over the, the coals that are on fire at the end of day one. And I hadn't even thought about it. People would ask me about it, and I had forgot that it even uh, would happen. And the reason for that is because uh, I'm a pretty logical guy. Everything I, I think through, I'm very like, I try to be logical with how I think about things. And I thought there's no way a billion dollar organization, which Robbins Research International is, is going to let 15,000 people walk across fire. You know, <laughs> they've got insurance providers, right? There's something there to where you're not going to get hurt. Like I was just like, there's no way they're just going to let you do this. Right. And so, um, spoiler alert, like, yeah, it's, it's a spiritual experience to the point where I would call that, uh, probably the second most impactful thing I did at the entire experience. Um, was not something I was expecting to really um, think was impactful or anything like that. And so um, as we're walking out there, uh, you're chanting, right? There's a lot of that type of stuff. So you're chanting, yes, yes, yes. You're putting yourself in that mind frame, right? And it was probably 45 minutes before I got to the front of the line. And I got to the front of the line on that first day. And this wasn't smoldering coals that were like in a line. This was like, if you were going to, if you were going to uh, cook chicken, you wouldn't put the chicken on the grill because like the, it's too hot. Like you're looking at this and you're going, oh man, like, holy shit. Like, no, 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 no. This isn't what we're supposed to be doing here. And um, I wanted to turn around. There were a lot of people that did. And uh, you get up there and finally you just, there, there is an element of like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to do this. And by the time you finish it, it really is. I mean, the final lesson is basically, if you can do this, you can do anything, right? That's kind of where it takes you to. Um, but it, it was, you know, it was super powerful, right? Um, it's really hard to describe. Um, I think the better thing is to um, talk about some of the biggest takeaways that I had, right? So it's a four-day event, firewalks on day one. First day is Tony Robbins. And he really gets into the meat of what his philosophy is, right? So if you read the book Unlimited Power, which is his first book, um, it's basically that content. A lot of it has not changed in about 20 years. I read the book when I got back and um, it was a good refresher, but it's basically his philosophy, right? Then you have Friday. And Friday, he's got this guy, Joseph McClendon, who's also a great Twitter follow or uh, Instagram follow, um, who comes out. Tony doesn't come out at all, but he really goes through how do we change, right? Like, let's say that you want to change something. Um, how does that happen? And then what are the things in our lives that are sort of holding us back, right? So we've got a lot of just limiting beliefs, right? This idea that like, 
you know, I don't want to go running because I'm too big and I just don't run. Or like people in my family aren't good at math, so I don't want to become an accountant, right? There's all of these different limiting beliefs. And you really go into the idea that these are, these are very, very limiting beliefs that aren't necessarily, they, they don't define you, right? And so you walk away from day two and you've got the philosophy and then you've recognized all your problems. And you're sort of like, man, I feel like it's over, right? Like I get what he's saying and I get what my problem is. So what are we doing here? So you get back on day three, uh, which by the way, at this point, emotionally, the day has not started or the event has not started. Right when you think it's like the David Goggins 40% rule, right? You think you're done here. Yep. We haven't even begun. So you get back on Saturday and Saturday, uh, Tony comes back out, right? So Tony's there all day. And um, he takes the philosophy of what you've learned. And then he directly takes all the bad stuff that's happening in your life. And then he says, oh, by the way, you walked on fire two nights ago. Uh, you have the ability to do anything. So right now we're going to apply my principles to change your life right now. Not when you get back, not like at some point in the future, but right now we're going to apply these principles to change your life and we're going to figure out why. And they do these, this uh, process called the Dickens process um, that is super powerful. Tim Ferriss, uh, for anyone who listens to his podcast, Tim talks about this a lot too. He recognizes it as probably the best part of, unleash the power within. And I totally agree. Um, but it's essentially, uh, if you think of a Christmas carol, right? It's, uh, it's the, the ghost of the future, right? And what Tony does is he very meticulously takes you through a step-by-step -step process of your habits today and what they're going to do in the future. And so to give an example, the, the easiest way to think about it is think about someone who like, like from my own example, I love ice cream. When I get home after work and then we eat dinner and Theo goes to bed, I can eat like not a pint of ice cream. I can eat like the whole giant container where right? I love ice cream. So normally what people would say is, Hey, if you keep eating ice cream, you're going to gain weight. All the sugar might give you diabetes and bad things are going to happen. Um, but that's not real. It doesn't really show you kind of what your, uh, what could happen. Instead, what Tony does is Tony takes you through this process of, What's going to happen tomorrow if you eat this ice cream, right? Well, your blood sugar is going to raise. You're probably not going to feel very good. You may not work out. And so then you're going to be lethargic. You go to bed early and you still eat like crap. Well, what happens a week from then, right? What happens a month? And so what you do is you go through this and it's slow. It takes like two hours, right? So you're, what about a week after that? What about a week after that? So eventually you get to a point where it's like, well, a week after that, I would be like 300 pounds. Well, a year after that, they're cutting off my leg at the knee because I've got diabetes and I'm not having any circulation. And if I end up, you know, like that, I won't be able to work and I'm not going to have any money and I'm going to lose my house and my kid's going to end up all messed up in the head because his dad was a loser. And so hell no, I don't want that ice cream. Right. It was like connecting the ice cream to now all of a sudden my kid's a loser when he's 45. Um, and so when you think about it like that, it makes the ice cream like super easy to put down at that point because what he's basically showing you is that your, your results are the addition, kind of the sum of all the inputs that you put in, right? It's, it's all of those little daily habits. And this is one of the reasons why one of the things I preach on is like, just like, what are you doing right now? What is your daily habit, right? In terms of um, how you live your life. Uh, and this is an area where, where you and I link up on a lot, right? So 
I'm a big fan of daily habits that then you can sort of break, right? I tell people all the time um, in terms of their diets, right? You should be having a cheat day once a week. Some people will say once a month, you know, they're very like, I haven't had a, you know, I haven't had a carb since 2006. There's people like that out there, right? But for me, it's like, you know, you create the habit of like six days a week, I'm going to eat super clean. And on that seventh day, like I'm going to do whatever I want. And it really gives you like the, this mental motivation to say, okay, I'm not going to make all that bad stuff a habit. Right. And so you leave really energized. Um, and um, it's, it's a bizarre experience. You don't eat a lot. You don't sleep a lot. There's, uh, there's no like, there's not a lot of food vendors in there. So like, I think I went like two and a half days without eating a meal. At one point, I just bought a bunch of RX bars and Quest bars and I would bring them in my bag. The LA Convention Center was very cool about letting us bring in like snacks and stuff like that. Um, so I would just eat a couple RX bars throughout the day and um, drink a bunch of water. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. But um, the one thing I would say is, to your point, Anthony, my life changed on that Saturday, that Dickens process um, that we went through with Tony Robbins, my life changed that day. And I, I sort of knew his philosophy before I had read through awaken the giant within. Um, I had watched, uh, he had done a thing at Dreamforce, a three hour, um, thing where I had known all about his philosophy at that point. So like I knew all of this stuff, but I couldn't live it. It was the immersive live event where I was actually there and you know, like, immersed if you will like doing nothing but that event that really caused it to stick and so one big lesson for me there was live events and immersive events are really 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 important and it's more important than just the the theory of sort of reading through books or listening to podcasts you have to go to this event you have to and it doesn't have to be tony robbins right right a lot of people that do these type of events uh um brendan bircher does these type of events Rachel Hollis does them for women. Uh, my wife, Elise, uh, went to a Rachel Hollis event um, about a month and a half ago. And so um, there's a lot of this. It doesn't have to be Tony Robbins, but um, it's important to know that there are other people out there that are like you that want to be better, right? That kind of overused philosophy of like, well, you got to get a tribe. Absolutely. You have to know that there's people out there that want to get better. Um, for me, one of the big things is like, I like surrounding myself with people who are like way more productive than I am because it just gives me motivation to be like, man, I want to be like that. Um, and so to know like that there were other people out there that wanted to get better um, was just a great experience. You know, you're at one point I did sit back and I was thinking to myself, holy shit, I'm in a room of 15,000 people that all paid a lot of money. And some of them came from around the world um, just because they want to be a better human. And, um, it's interesting, man, there are very little rules at that place in terms of like where to walk. Um, they don't rope everything off. It's basically just one big giant area and they don't have lines anywhere, but everyone forms these very orderly lines. It was the most polite, uh, just, you know, positive group that I had ever been a part of. If you think about going to like, especially, um, the concert venue over here, uh, the one, the, the old tweeter center <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, here in yeah. Finley, like. Yeah. Trying to get out of that parking lot will make you oh. lose faith in humanity. People cutting you off and it takes forever and all that stuff. I was floored at how like positive everyone was, how there were no problems and stuff like that. It was just a great experience and absolutely to your point changed my life. Man, that's fucking awesome. I'm so glad. Thank, a, a, thank you for sharing that story because 
I know a lot of people, you know, um, they don't look at Tony Robbins. And that, that is like the one guy that's on top of the world right now is Tony Robbins. What he does, there's been so many people that he's helped out. I mean, you can watch any documentary, go behind the scenes, YouTube, all his stuff. He's got tons of shit out there. But a lot of people look at that like, like you said, they still look at it like, that's just weird. That's just weird witch magic, man. It's stupid. I wouldn't do something like that. But if you look past that, if the dude's on top of the world doing what he does, okay, he must be good at it. Yeah. He, he must be know what the fuck he's doing. Or he's laid uh, an amazing blueprint down that's damn near fucking perfect for everyone just to get out of the fucking norm and to change. And I think what you said is very important too because immersing yourself in it, getting in, diving in for those days, that's what you're doing. The walls are that. You know, you eat is that. You're not eating is that. Everything you're doing is that. There's no distractions. There's no going out to dinner. There's no got to be here. Got to stop reading this book at four because I got to be here at 4.30. Like there's so many distractions. I have a very hard time reading. I don't like reading. I do a lot of things on audio because I'm very busy. I really don't sit throughout the day. For me to sit reading a book, I'll flip through 10 pages. I'll have to go back to number one because I, like, I just missed out on everything. But as soon as I go do something, that's how I learn. I'm, I have to do it, right? That's how I was in construction when I was a kid. Blueprints, tell me where the walls go. I'm like, I think they go here and here. No, you're wrong. Cool. Go build it. Done. That's just how I am. I a lot of people are like that, but a lot of people are really book smart. It's not really book smart. It was like, don't go to culinary school, but go work in a kitchen. Okay, that's easy. You know what I'm saying? So learning's different. And I think for you to be so wanting that mindset and to die, finally diving into that years after the first time you pass it up, just you, you get, you're drowned by it. You're fucking drowned by this emotion all day long. And the one thing you did say too is you did, it was like two and a half days for you ate a solid meal. The whole time you were saying this is day to day to day and these long, long days, you know it's designed like that. You know it's designed that long. It's designed that long to break you down so you admit faults and truths about yourself so you can fucking tackle them and hit them head on. And the change. Yep. And isn't that yep. just like what we should be doing every day in our lives anyway? Like look in the mirror and say what the fuck you want to do and what the fuck is wrong with you. Like we, we tiptoe around that stuff. And anyone that tip, tiptoes around that and like shuns off a Tony Robbins or a Gary Vee or anyone else or a Tim Ferriss because I don't need that. Like you are the people that need that. You're the exact yep. person that needs to go and do these things because you're pushing that off. And as cliche as it does sound, we do need a tribe, right? My fingers in the air, quote unquote, do need a tribe. You need to audit your circle. Like the amount of times I say audit your circle and keep that you are the sum of the five people around you. Like everyone has to like say that out loud every day, every day. Think about if you kept hanging out around, if you right now, your, your five best friends um, were alcoholics, where the fuck do you think you would be? I mean, it's just, it just goes like that, man. So it mean. Every day, 1% better every day, man. It's like some, learning something from that and to, and to like put that into your life and to put that in your business is crazy, man. Like awesome for doing that. I'm so glad it's made you grow, grow and like definitely changed your life. What, what do you use today? Like what are some cool key points if you can bring up, I don't care how many you bring up, what are some cool things today like you keep doing because you went to go see Tony Robbins? Like do you have a list and stuff? Like I noticed like you guys can't see this right now. I don't put it on YouTube, but Behind Jeff, I think, are you in your house right now? Yep. He's got, uh, he's got a great bookshelf with some pens and some books in it, stuff that probably keeps him pretty organized. And he has a whiteboard behind him with like four or five, six different markers. That's right behind him in his office probably. He probably works from home a lot too. But yep. you guys ever listen to any of the other podcasts? Hey, we talked about that shit. 
All right, my whiteboard's in my room too. When I wake up every single day, I look right at it before I even go to the bathroom in the morning. It's just something that you should be doing. This dude is, he's, he's on top of what he's doing. He's practicing what he preaches. And that is fucking, that's the growth mindset right there, you guys. That is not fixed in the fucking least bit. So what are some things that you do today that you can really attribute to going that weekend, going those four days? Totally. So uh, I'll give you a funny one at first, right? So um, the probably one of the more, um, uh, what's the right, not shocking, but like one of the more interesting things about Tony Robbins events live is the amount of like old 90s techno that goes on, right? Like I'm talking bad, bad old techno. And um, what, what Tony will say is, and Joseph says this a lot too, uh, Joseph McClendon who does um, uh, Friday and Sunday um, has this uh, concept of if you're ever in a bad mood, and you ever just absolutely want to rip someone's head off, but you know like bad stuff's going to happen if I get emotional, his uh, advice is to go somewhere private where no one else can see you and shake your ass. Just shake, shake your ass. Just dance. Just start dancing. Shake your ass and dance. And um, you can't be in a bad mood if you're like funky dancing, right? And there's an element of that with, with the music too. So one of the big things that Tony preaches is like, you know, if you're going to get into a high energy mental state, you can't do that without having a high energy physical state, right? And so what your body does, like your mind will follow. And so one of the things you see that Tony does, like if you watch his Netflix documentary, he's jumping on a trampoline before he goes out, stuff like that. Um, that was a huge, huge thing for me, right? The, uh, the idea that, you know, I was someone where, I'm a high energy guy and I'm pretty extroverted, but if I was mad or if I got into a bad mood, I would shut down and I would just like keep the world out. And for me, because I was so high energy and so extroverted, some people, you don't always notice it because the difference isn't that big. But for me, it was this drastic difference where I was either like the, you know, the Tony Robbins, you know, nicest guy in the world, or I was just this miserable prick. Right. And what would happen, what I realized was what determined whether or not I was in a good mood or a bad mood was, were all the external factors. If somebody cut me off in the car on the way to work or like I was too late to be able to go to Starbucks and I couldn't get coffee, that's what would put me in a bad mood. And so I just realized like, why am I letting external factors dictate whether or not I'm successful that day? And so Tony's philosophy is like, all right, shake it off, play some bad techno and, you know, dance in your car or whatever. And just, you know, Elise, um, you know, can attest to the idea that like, I play a lot of this stuff now when I'm in the shower, just on the like Bluetooth speaker. Oh, you hear some like, uh, some bad, some old, like, you know, Darude type stuff, a lot of jock jams, um, Sandstorm, right? Like, dude, I'm talking like the cheesiest of the cheesy 90s techno. It's bad. And you wouldn't want your friends to know you were listening to it, but it will put you in a good mood. It's just high energy and it's fun. And then even if that's fake, right? Like th this is, this is, I think the biggest thing I learned from Tony. If somebody were to get up in the morning and just like, you're just naturally in a high energy state, right? You're excited and you're ready to go. And then you leave and you go to work and you're ready to go. And someone else has to get up and listen to some techno and jump on a trampoline. And then they end up in that same state. It doesn't matter how you got into that state right? Doesn't matter if you had to actively put yourself there or you're just naturally a morning person. What's important is that you get there, right? So if that means, 
doing gratitude exercises in the morning, which is one of the things I'm big on um, because I think it puts you in the right mindset for what's right or, you know, keeping your purpose in mind, right? Like in other words, I'm not working so I can buy a new car. I'm working so that I can send my son to college and give him a better life. And so when I, if I do a gratitude exercise in the morning, I'm able to keep that front and center and now I'm able to work harder because it's not just me. I'm working harder for him, if that makes sense. Um, and so um, it, I think like putting yourself in the right state is important. And then, you know, for me, like that difference was so great that like if I could, even if it was just a few days where I could become more high energy than I was before, there was going to be a huge ROI on that a return on the investment for, for all of, you know, the effort that I put in. And so, yeah, like that was a big one. Um, it's just putting yourself in the right state. The other one is that phrase I've referred to over and over again, right? Weeds grow automatically, which is just the idea that you don't go to a self-help seminar or read a book and think like, I'm, I'm good now. I'm cured. One this time. Is, yeah. This is something you have to do over and over and over again. Um, if I, Everyone out there may want to like listen to this and they're like, man, I got to go buy a Tony Robbins book. Don't do that yet. Anyone who's listening to this, if anyone is looking for a book, um, the book I would recommend that they pause and go buy immediately is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I just read this book and it's just, it, it, it is better than any other self-help book I think I've ever read or just personal development book. But he talks about this, right? There is no finish line. And, you know, we're, we always think like, I'm going to work, 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 work. I'm going to do well. And then I'm going to be able to relax. Right now, there is no finish line to life. And just that whole idea, um, I think is really key. So all kind of all of the above. Um, but if I were to encapsulate kind of one other idea, I think is important. And I mentioned this to you before we uh, started. It's just the idea that like, I felt like I could be myself again. Um, and still be like, still care. In other words, I'm kind of like a high energy. Um, I don't want to say masculine, but like, I'm, you know, I like sports and like, you know, I like doing all that kind of stuff. And so there are elements in the self-help world where, you know, I feel like some people sort of want to take that away from you. Whereas I think with Tony, he really puts an emphasis on being like, you can be a strong leader and still be empathetic and care about people. Um, the example I'll give you very quick, um, example is, um, one of the things people, uh, or uh, this is him saying this, he would say, one of the things that people ask him all the time is what do I do when I go home and people argue with me? Right. In other words, people will go back to their real lives after they're done at Tony Robbins. And then everyone says, you're, you joined a cult, right? Like Tony Robbins is, you know, just start arguing about all of that stuff, going back to like, oh, he's a scam artist. He does infomercials, all that stuff. And um, the question was like, what do I do in that scenario? And Tony's advice, th this is what blew me away. I think more than anything was he literally said, don't argue with them. Don't try to change their opinion. Just love them and be there for them. And your example will show them how like what it means and like that was a huge you know just mind-blowing moment for me well that has a lot to be said with with anything right with anything with anyone that wants to pull you down for some way shape or form that whatever's going on in their life there's a reason why they're doing it they're trying to make themselves feel better for your happiness and i think that's a lot of things that you know a lot of people feel bad to go do something like this or like 
oh, you know, like they don't want to make that first step because someone else, some outside force won't like let them do it. They, they won't agree to your positivity, to your happiness. It's a sad fucking thing. And I think that's a, a lot of people don't do things they should do to make themselves grow because they're afraid of someone else's opinion. Like, that's wild to me, man. Like, you have to stop living your life predicated on other, everyone else's bullshit. It just doesn't work. And as soon as, you start, yep. as soon as you start working and living for yourself and for your loved ones that are around you that you actually give a shit about, everything changes. Everything fucking changes. I remember, quick story, I remember like for a super fucking long period of time, seven, eight years ago, when I was in a real bad fucking place, I was living my life for everyone else. I didn't know what the fuck I was, man. And that led into a bunch of bad shit. I, I was living my life for, I was always there for people all the time. You need something, call Anthony. You need something, call Guzzo. You know, oh, he's here, let's go do that. It was always for someone else. I never felt like I was, like, I left myself somewhere. And I was just kind of going through life, not having a fucking purpose. And I think it's very sad that, that people's first thoughts about trying to grow is worrying about the people they're gonna leave behind. And that's fucking sad because at the end of the day, the people that you're leaving behind are probably the people that you should have a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't care if it's your mother, daughter, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, cat or dog. I don't give a fuck. If they're trying to pull you down, then they shouldn't be in your life anymore. But they'll say the other thing. They'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, you, you went ahead and got happy. You walked away from me. I didn't do anything to you. Well, you just answered it. Yeah, you did. Because you have that mindset. The woe is me mindset. Like you're a fucking victim in this huge grand scheme of things with 4 billion people on the world. You are the victim. And so, you know, fuck me for being happy or taking yep. a step out of this and going to spend four or five days and spending an astronomical amount of money to make myself happy because I fucking need it. It just blows my mind, man. It blows yep. my mind. I want to go back to what you said. I, I wrote, I was making notes because it was like, you just kept nailing them off. Yeah, yeah. Once I start going, man, it's <laughs> I, do, I fucking love it. Do I love it? So I want to go back to external forces and like I want that's something that I kind of kind of just said too. Like getting mad at like because you you wake up in the morning and stub your toe, or you wake up in the morning and you can't you know go to Starbucks, or you wake up in the morning and someone cuts you off in the way to work because you are late. That's why you're upset. It's like no man, like those things you just said are like they're they might or might not happen anyway, but it's like. You can not control that stuff that someone cuts you off in your car. Why are you, like, you only have so much energy in your cup a day, right? You only right. have so much energy. Why are you going to waste it on that guy, that girl, you know, you know, on that commute to work? Why are you going to go to work, already dump out some of your energy? Like, that's a long day, and you're already, your core is gone because you're mad at something that you can't even control, the weather. You know, like, oh, if it wasn't, I would have been on time, boss, but it was raining. Now you could have got up fucking 10 minutes earlier, and you would have been on time. Period. You know, don't blame some, an external force, right? Then I also want to touch base on how you said when you go to work, you have, you have your wife and son in the forefront of your brain every day instead of having things for you and you just want to line your pockets with money. You have purpose. So I wrote that up as have purpose. Second thing you learn from this big thing. You got to go through life and you got to go each day with a purpose, big or small, micro or macro. You got to have fucking purpose, man. Like, it's just crazy. And the whole weeds grow thing, I think, is just, I think it's just the fucking great thing, man. Like, I think that's the coolest thing that you could possibly bring it up, man. And, like, 
I love how you brought up the David Goggins book because I, I bought that, started reading it, but then I found it on Audible. And on Audible, he actually comes on and recaps the chapters after this guy reads it. So it's like a podcast Audible in one. Dude, you guys, if, if you're not into books, I mean, if you're into books, read it and listen to and the Audible because the Audible is like, go try, go try not getting motivated on a run listening to that shit. And, and if yeah. you want to like try to like understand like external forces and like he grew up in a situation where he had no control over at a young age and look at him now. If you guys haven't seen his speech when he, I forgot the award that he had, but he's on stage and it's like he breaks down and his mother's in the crowd and he says, this is for my mother who is, who took the brunt of that fucking storm for years and he just kept going on and showing her and his brothers like that he, he could do it. You can fucking do it no matter what you do and put your mind to it, man. Yep. I just, I think it's a great thing. I, uh, yeah, I also, I highly recommend the audible version for the same reason. I think um, those, uh, and Rogan mentions this in his podcast too, where it's like, at first you're not really sure whether this is going to work because they're almost like free forming a podcast right in the middle of the book on the audible. Um, and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know, but then it just like, it works so well. Um, I'm doing it the opposite uh, direction that you are. So I did the audible first. I'm just finishing it now. And I just ordered the physical copy today so that um, there were a bunch of points where I kept pausing because I wanted to write all this stuff down. And so I ordered a physical copy so that I could go back and kind of highlight and stuff. But yes, if you're going to consume this book, the Audible version is so good, and uh, the reason why I love it is because it's the, ver it's the discussion they have after the first chapter. The first chapter is basically, for anyone who hasn't read the book, it's the story of his, his childhood, right, which was not good. His father was very abusive, and um, you know, they didn't have a lot, and um, he went through, you know, without getting into details, it was about as hard of a childhood as anyone could possibly have. It was some, Man. it was some movie shit. Like it's, oh, yeah. like, Absolutely. it's like when I was hearing it, I couldn't fucking believe what I was listening to. Yep. And the first line of that kind of podcast thing after that chapter ends is he says, now you just listen to all of the reasons and the excuses of why I shouldn't have succeeded. Like, and that's all they were. Those are excuses. And I wasn't going to let any of that define me. He goes, I could have said, that's my story, and this is why I'm failing. He says, I didn't allow all that stuff to affect me. And that was just so powerful for me of like, same thing, man. Like, I've had a lot of what I would call challenging things happen to me um, in my life. I've never had anyone point a gun at me uh, like he did with his father pointed a gun at his face, right? And um I've never had anything like that, right? Like, and I think, gosh, my life, you know, I can do anything at that point, right? And these challenges are so small. They're so easily surmountable compared to all of the other things that are going on in life. This is a piece of cake. He also has, don't uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I remember, I think it's him. He has like call to action points at the end of every chapter. And he's like, okay, now, as you say, turn to a book or write this down. Or how does he go about doing that again? Yeah, there, there's a few where um, he'll say like, What's going on in your life where somebody's, you know, kind of harping on you in the same way? Um, I remember for um, one of the things he talks about is this concept of taking people's souls, right? And it's a lot, uh, that's a lot, you know, more menacing than it really is. But what he means there 
is um, you can't become too emotional when, you know, if you've got a boss or you've got a significant other or family member and they're like just super negative and they're always coming down on you and they're just trying to make you fail. Um, you know, using that as sort of your fuel, right? Like he mentions the idea that, um, you know, if a drill instructor, when he was going through buds, um, was trying to, uh, you know, make him run a few miles in the sand and everyone else collapsed after two miles and the drill instructor said, you have to run three, then he would run four and he would smile at the guy while he was doing it. And he wasn't trying, you know, it wasn't trying to come back with aggression. He was trying to say like, I'll feed off this. Right. And you can translate that into real life by saying, you know, when your boss is on you about something and you're, you're, uh, you're not sure like if they, if they like you or not, um, the answer there is absolutely outwork everyone else in the company, get there before your boss gets in, leave after they do and force them to keep up with you. And, um, I loved kind of that concept. And so he went through the questions of like, Hey, who's like this in your life? And what can you do around that? And you know, no one's got people, no one's free of negativity in their lives. We've all got people in our lives who, you know, we're thinking about when I mentioned that. And so I thought that was pretty powerful. Yeah. His whole story is just, I mean, like I said, man, it's, it's, it's effing bananas and you know, whoever hasn't listened to it, please go listen to it. And like, there's always someone out there, right, that has it worse than you, no matter how, how, how we think about it. It doesn't matter if you're in a really nasty. There was probably someone, if he ever, if he dove deep enough at that time and he had the ability to, to dive deep in social media or like the, the internet, he could probably find someone's got it way worse in a third world country than he had at that point. But it just goes to show you, like, there is always something, there's always someone that has it worse off. And I'm not saying that in a cocky way. I'm saying that in a way of when you're feeling down about yourself, and you think there's no escape and there's no one to talk to, I'm not telling you what you can and can't do, but you guys, there's always someone out there that has had it worse than you or is going through a way worse fucking time than you. And you have to yep. understand that. Like he, the reason why Goggins wants to put this out there, it wasn't because fame and fortune is because he wants to show people, look what I fuck, look at the mud I fucking crawled through and look how I came out on the other side. That's interesting. You know, yeah. and he, he admits that to people, you know, and he doesn't even do this for fame and fortune. He, he, he should have been dead. He should have been fucking dead by his own dad's hands. Everyone yeah. should have been dead. He was a, a, he put his kid to work at, at three o'clock in the morning, cleaning, scraping gum off the floor, dealing drugs while his dad was out, you know, having sex with other women in front of his mom. Like, are you kidding me? And the guy comes home, he beats on his wife because he's drunk. This is yep. fucking ridiculous. This guy tells his story, <clears throat> excuse me, because he wants to show you if I can do it, there's no fucking reason why you can't. Totally. 100%. I, I, I love it. And that's what I got out of it because when I listened to that, when I listened to that audible, I was going through a time where I was like, I don't want to be at this fucking job anymore. This job is just fucking killing me. My fucking relationship is hurting from this job. And you know what I'm talking about. And it just had, it had to end. It had to fucking end. And even when that was over, it was still like, well, now what? What am I going to do? It's like I didn't listen to him deep enough. And then yeah. it all happened. And I was like, here it is. This is why, ah, this is why he put this book out. He wanted to kick me in my dick. And then when I was down, kick me in the dick again to show you it's not that bad. Get up, 
take action, take actionable choices of your day, become that 1% better, stop letting external forces dictate the way you go in your life. Yep. It's just, it's crazy, man. Yep. It's, uh, it's funny you say that. So um, this, this touches back to one of my hot buttons, um, uh, back, uh, to take it back a little bit, I guess, to business. So I have, I have a couple interview questions. I do a lot of interviewing since it's an entry-level job. And I had one for a long time, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, how you would answer this. Uh, one of my favorite interview questions for a long time was, um, on a scale of one to 10, how lucky are you? And I would mention that to other leaders. And the first question they would always ask me back was, what answer are you looking for, right? And um, so first, let me hear, I, I'm interested to hear what your answer to that would be, and then I'll tell you what I'm looking for. Uh, I think, what's the, uh, what's the percentage, 800 million to one? that we were born a human, something like that. And if you, if you don't feel like you're the luckiest fucking person in the world right now, then you need to fucking get the fuck out of here because you are. We are the luckiest yep. fucking species on this fucking planet right now. And I'm so sick and tired of the keyboard warriors saying otherwise, or the news saying otherwise. You know, it's fucking ridiculous, man. So yeah, yeah. fucking 11 on that answer. I'm so glad, absolutely. You were the first person. That was a great answer. I would have hired you on the spot. Um, because that is exactly what I was looking for. You said it better than I could have, right? Um, simply, I just look at it from a sense of like, you know, the odds of being born in a country where you have it as good as you have it in the United States are very, very low. Um, one in, you know, hundreds of millions, right? Like, especially, and I like to say things with, you know, I like to be controversial sometimes just because I like to get people thinking. Um, I said this once on Facebook and it really pissed people off, but I said it in the form of like, if you're a white dude in the United States, that's the lucky sperm club, right? And it, that made a lot of people mad. Um, yeah, tip-toe that line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be, I was definitely trying to like push buttons, but like, it's true, right? Like, you know, I could have been born, you know, like in a country that isn't a democracy, right? Or doesn't have, you know, quite the infrastructure that we have. Or to your point, I could have been born a fish, yeah. right? Instead of a human. Um, and so, um, yeah, to me, the answer was always like 10 out of 10, right? And so, the, you know, I had a, an executive that I actually work with now. I was at a dinner interview with him when I was interviewing for my current job. And I mentioned that interview question and he completely disagreed with me. And he said, um, what if somebody got hit by a car on the way to the interview? And I said, well, it's 10 out of 10 because they're not dead. If they made it to the interview, it means they didn't die. And that's a pretty good outcome of being hit by a car. Like stuff's going to happen. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Where people see the car accident is they're like, well, now my day's ruined. No, your day's just begun because you didn't die. You survived. Like things are okay. Um, and I think the more we can just go through life realizing that nothing's life and death. We'll get over everything. Like we should be happy with who we are and grateful. Uh, I think is more important than anything. Uh, one other funny story I just thought of as I, as I was telling that. I was at dinner um, with uh, my former company, um, with the guy who ran sales for uh, North America. And we had a very large revenue number last year uh, that we weren't sure that we were going to hit. And we were at dinner and um, uh, my colleague who was with us said to him, both of our boss, uh, hey, what if we don't hit this revenue number? What's going to happen? And he put down his fork. We were at Swift and Sons downtown. Great restaurant, by the way. Um, put his fork downtown, uh, down and he said... Um, whatever, then we don't, we'll do, we'll try again next year. And it was just so refreshing of like, 
things aren't life and death. You can be happy. It's okay. You don't have to be a miserable prick all the time. Um, I think all of that stuff just like, it just leads to more happiness. Not only the fact, and cause you know, I know you do a lot with health and all that stuff, but like there is no bigger physical uh, killer out there right now than stress. And that's not something that I think we talk about enough. The amount that stress leads to like heart disease and other things, physical, you can manifest physical diseases through stress, right? And I think the more we can just realize that like life is pretty good, the better off we'll be. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, there's so much to talk about right there. It's like the yeah. all or nothing doesn't work, right? The all or nothing doesn't work. And it's like, how can you be all in on that one number? Like that has to happen, it has to happen, it has to happen. It's like, but what if it doesn't happen? Question, what if it doesn't happen? You know, it's like, we're all still gonna show up to work the next day, right? Yeah, oh shit, that's fucking weird. I think that mindset alone is like what everyone's going through right now. I mean, health, fitness, nutrition, whatever, dude. Like everyone is all in and they wanna lose the weight tomorrow. They wanna get fit tomorrow. They wanna have the fucking six pack tomorrow. Now you got to this position over years, it's gonna take some more time to get to where you need to be. You know, live in the moment, I love it. Live in the moment every single day. It's like we're here, we're not going anywhere. We're here for a number, a number more years, okay? A long time. And it's not even half time for you and I yet, bro. We have a lot going on. There's so much more time. Everyone out there too that thinks it's so bad now at 25, you're 20 fucking five. Like your whole life is fucking ahead of you. You know, like it's crazy to think about it that way. And I think too many people take it for granted and too many people, you know, want, don't want to step outside that box and admit that everything is kind of okay. They would rather, you know, society says and social media says it's a lot worse than it is. And we suck that shit up. I always tell people this. I say, do you watch TV? Like, yeah. Yeah, I watch TV. Cool. What do you watch? Like, I watch this, this, and I watch this show, and I watch a lot of the news. Like, cool. Did you read the newspaper, too? Yeah, I read the newspaper also. I'm like, are you on Facebook, too? Like, yeah, I look at Facebook, too. I'm like, cool. Don't read the newspaper. Don't watch the TV for a fucking month. Tell me how bad the world is. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Oh, yeah, and get off Facebook for a month and don't go on any social media. Tell me, tell me if you see that going on where you go right now. You really, you, you're telling me right now, if you flip on the news, it's, it's not garbage right now. At this fucking second, when anyone listens to this podcast, turn on the news. Tell me if something positive is fucking on that screen. I fucking guarantee it's not. Open Facebook up. Flip five people. I can fucking guarantee it's some negative bullshit about fucking the president or something that's fucking going on in the world. It's like, why are we consuming ourselves with that when, yeah, it's important. Some of that stuff's important, but going back to the external forces thing, right? Like, wow, that's going to go, it's going to happen if it's going to fucking happen. You're going to get hit by a car if you get hit by a car. But are you going to stay in the house knowing that that could happen? You can have a fucking heart attack right. on the couch tonight eating ice cream. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, I think, I think th th if you start freeing yourself the way that we are talking about and just taking that first step up to, to better yourself and positivity, your happiness, and spread it to the next person. Damn near, hold a door for someone that you haven't held a door for. Say thank you. Say thank you to the barista that's busting their fucking ass at three o'clock in the morning and they put cream in your fucking coffee when they shouldn't have. Go fuck yourself. That person's under tons of pressure. Why don't you ask them how their day is? Like, I think there's so much that we can be doing that we're not, but we'd rather not and not even like admit that that's going on. You know, we, we don't want to look at our faults and we don't want to be that person that's like, oh no, 
being down is the only way to be these days. And if that person's happy, I'm going to try to pull them down with me. It's like, what are we, what are we really doing in like today? You know, but like you said, man, I think we should definitely be living every single day and uh, taking that first step into happiness. I'd like to close on this note and kind of put you, put you on the spot. If I can get one, two, or maybe even three things out of you, actionable items. I ask everyone at the end of the podcast, and I'd like to try to close this out. Give some people some actionable items that you may use or you think people should use immediately that they can use today when this podcast gets over. Yep. So a um, couple things. Um, I think, um, you know, the, the, the first thing is you, you have to figure out where your, what Tony calls net time, right? So everyone out there is extremely busy. We've got work, we've got family obligations, we've got you know, all of that stuff. Right. And so we're all strapped for time. Um, but the one thing I will say is that no one is, uh, busy enough to where they can't like have some self, I'll call it self care time, right. Throughout the day. Right. So that might mean reading a book or working out. Like I consider it all the same, right. Just kind of, uh, working on yourself, um, to put it in, um, it's easier to think about with like, uh, working out. Right. So, there are so many ways you can buy a 35 pound kettlebell on Amazon and it is not expensive and it doesn't take up any space in your place. And you can get a full body workout that will crush you with a 35 pound kettlebell and you can find 30 or 40 minutes throughout the day, like a, some point to work out um, from the time you're watching TV or shortening, like, you know, something over here, there's all of this net time, all this extra time that we have where we're flip, especially me, right? Flipping through Twitter. Uh, my wife calls it uh, putzing. You know, I'll sit down and flip through Instagram or Twitter and I'm sit there for 10 minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes. I could have worked out with a kettlebell in that time. And so, um, <coughs> ooh, excuse me. So the one thing I would say is do not let time prevent you from doing things like physical activity. Um, the second piece I, I, I will add to that uh, that goes along with the first is physical activity is necessary for personal development. In other words, what you put in your body and the energy you put out is a direct reflection of how you're going to act. And so this might be, you know, some people might disagree with this, uh, but I do think you have to eat clean on a regular basis and you have to work out on a regular basis in order for any of this stuff to work. Um, and some of that, you know, one of the things you realize on Instagram is I've got a lot of hot takes about that too. I think we should be working out a lot more than we are. I think we should work out five or six days a week. Um, I really do think volume's important, right? That sort of thing. You can find 20. Now we shouldn't be working out for two hours a day, right? Six days a week, unless we want to like, you know, be a bodybuilder, but like a 20 minute kettlebell workout, we should be able to do that six times a week. Right. So that, that's another one where it's like, Stop letting like your limitations like tell you what to do. Um, if you want to work out six, seven, eight times a week, I think you should do that. Uh, um, so I think that's really important. Um, the third piece uh, that I would say is um, just overall physical activity movements important, right? You talk about this a lot, which almost nobody talks about. Um, which is just that idea of non-exercise, uh, thermogenic activity, I think, or you know, yeah. whatever the thing is there. Um, that is really important. Like, and so for me, it's uh, golf, right? I like to go. I like to walk. I don't get a cart. I walk when I play golf a lot. Um, go to the driving range. It's not like exercise, but it's movement. And I'm sweating and I'm getting worked up, uh, going for a walk, that sort of thing. 
Um, I think that's all really important. Um, the fourth piece, um, lastly, uh, that I'll say is know that like there are people out there that also want to get better and that you're not alone. If you ever just decided like, hey, man, I want to like just find the next gear that I might have in order to do a little bit better in the spirit of the idea that if you want above average results, you need to put in above average effort. Know that there's people out there that will help you put in that above average effort. This is not a zero sum game. We shouldn't be fighting each other for a bigger slice of the pie. We should be fighting for a bigger pie. And so the more you help others and the more you kind of give out, the more you'll get back. And so for the people that do want that help, for the people that are craving like a tribe, reach out to people. DM me on Instagram. Comment on one of Anthony's posts. Um, use people, even if you don't know them, right? Rachel Hollis, um, Jay Shetty, um, all of those types of people. Just use them as little reminders throughout the day that there are people out there that want to get better. And even though you might be in a negative circumstance and your sister, you know, is negative all the time or your boyfriend or whatever it might be, um, know that, like, there are people out there that want to help you with that and you're not alone. Dude, I fucking love every single point you just made. And I can back that up saying 100%. Last person you said was uh, Jay Shetty. I love Jay Shetty. Um, little tidbit information for you guys about Jay Shetty. If you're not into him, that's cool. Get into him. You guys, he gives out so much free stuff. I've done so many free programs from him. They're like three, four days long of like one hour a day. I've, I think I've done three. And it's all free information. He's just him on his phone or in front of his computer doing what we're doing right now. And he gives you bullet points on, on his topics that he wants to talk to you about. And it's always a different topic. Guys, if you didn't write any of that down and why, why you're listening to this podcast, you don't have a pen and paper out. That is your complete fault. You should know better than that. I actually have down five things that you said. I kind of broke your number two into two. Um, net time is all the extra time that you think you don't have that is actually laying around on the ground that you're leaving on the table. You guys have time. Like, like Jeff just said. You should not be working out eight times, eight times a week. If you want to, go for it. But you can work out 20 to 30 minutes a day. I preach that all the time. You can get a killer workout in for 30 minutes. You can be destroyed in 30 minutes. The second one is physical activity every day. And you actually kind of started going into that is what you, what you take in is what you put out. I wrote that down as law of attraction. It's the same thing. Be who you want to be inside and out and put that positivity into the world and stop putting the fucking negativity out there. All right? Number three, stop limiting yourself on your own disbeliefs. I love that you said that. Stop limiting yourself and I put your own disbeliefs. I think we talk ourselves into fucking circles and before we're done with that circle, we quit already. We don't even give ourselves a chance. If you want to do something, wake up and do it. And do it until it's done. If you don't like it, it didn't work. You didn't fail. You learned what not to do the next time, so maybe you'll succeed the next time. Stepping up to that plate like we talked about. Number four, I love it. You said neat. I love that you're following that, man. I, lo I love that, too. I, I follow everything you do, dude. For dude sure. It's awesome, bro. It's awesome, bro. And the last one, number five, is you are not alone. And I think that is the most powerful fucking sentence that you could actually end a podcast on is you are not alone. I think that's a big thing for men and women and children of today's day and age. And, and I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because I was alone back in the day. I'm sure you felt alone back in the day, too. And I wish I would have reached out for somebody. There was nothing like this back in the day when I needed someone to help. There wasn't the podcasts. There wasn't, I wasn't, sorry, there may have been. I wasn't into them yet because I closed that off to the world. I didn't want to see that. I thought, you know, I thought Tony was funny. I was that fucking guy. You know, once you start 
pulling back those cobwebs and understand that you are not alone. There's other people in the same fucking situation that you are in that would love to sit down and talk to you. Hell, it may save your life. It may save your life. And I want to end on that. And I want to say thank you to Jeffrey Warman for coming on to my, my podcast. This has by far been a fucking amazing episode. We could do this for the next six hours. It's been over an hour. Um, guys, like always, please take a screenshot of this when you do listen to it. Put it on your story. Tag myself. Tag Jeff, uh, Jeff Warman on his Instagram. We will share it. We will send love. You guys hit me up. Hit him up. DM us. We'll answer any and all questions. You guys have business-related questions, what Jeff was talking about. DM him, send him your resume, all that stuff. He'll always interview you. He just put something up the other day. If you hired someone or not, he's still going to interview just to see if you're right for the team. If you feel like you need some more movement and positivity in your life through your business, look this dude up. Send him the resume. Um, Jeff, where can people find you? Are you on LinkedIn, on Instagram? If you'd like people to follow you, go ahead and drop those lines. Those are actually the best uh, two places to do it. Um, so my name is Jeff Wartman, J-E-F-F-W-A-R-T-M-A-N on LinkedIn, um, at Jeff Wartman on Instagram. Um, and so um, both of those places, the LinkedIn content's a little bit more business-centric. Um, Instagram is a little bit more personal development-centric, but that's it, man. Thank you so much, dude. Dude, thank you so much. And you guys, once again, thank you for listening to this growth podcast and I'm just, I'm so fired up right now and I'm so thankful that Jeff came on today and it uh, definitely made my day, probably the rest of my month, maybe even the year. But Jeffrey, thank you so much, my man. Thanks, dude.